0: Right, so here we are, and uh, what an exciting thing when we've been walking, you got to see a glimpse of our series. Sometimes I'm so punny and I don't even know it, but uh, of our series that we've called Glimpses over this Christmas season. And so we're going to spend a few minutes today just looking at God's word and seeing how indeed Jesus is the light of the world. If you brought a Bible today, we're going to be in the book of John. John is the fourth book in the New Testament, the gospel of John. If you didn't bring a Bible, no problem. We have the verses up on screen in just a moment. I wanted to show you, you were watching the video and you saw some things that you thought, oh, that looks like Christmas. And, and then you see a lady wearing a cub shirt and you're like, I'm, now I'm confused. And as we did this series, what we talked about was there are a lot of iconic things that come to mind when we think of Christmas. Many of them have very little to do with Jesus's birth. But even beyond like the manger scene that you saw there, we want to talk about some, some images this Christmas season this December that make us think of that. That's why even you saw the the picture of the ViewMaster. For anyone under 30, we probably have to tell you what this is. The rest of us kind of know and we remember, you know, this idea of being able to be taken somewhere else by looking at these three-dimensional images out of a ViewMaster. So, what are some of the glimpses in our in our world today, in our culture, that really scream? the cosmic version, the the view that God had when Jesus entered the world. We talked about that Jesus was a long-awaited Savior, and we talked about the Cubs winning the World Series last year, 108 years in the making, and even though that pales in reality to the generations of people awaiting Jesus's arrival, it was one idea that gave us kind of a snapshot of what that was like. Another image that we looked at last week is we talked about Jesus being the ransom for hostages. And you saw that picture in our video of this powerful scene going on at a a hostage situation at a mall in Nairobi in 2013. And what that meant for God to come under the tape, meet us in our need, and become the ransom that freed us from sin. This week, you saw the third image, and it's up on the screen. It's that of the Chilean miners. If you remember, how many of you remember this story? It's from 2010. It's a ways back, but it seemed like shorter to me than that. It didn't seem that long ago. And we were remembering it actually was documented in a movie called The 33, representing the 33 miners that were trapped almost a half mile below the Earth's surface, 2,300 feet straight down in a mine shaft. Of that, this it happened in 2010. 69 days they were trapped. But the wild thing about the whole story is that they were rescued, every single one of them. I don't know about you, but when you remember the the um, news breaking about that, and you just heard how incredibly hopeless that sounded, I don't know about you, but I expected them to not live. And that's not me wishing that upon them. I just, I guess I'm a realist. And I thought, man, how in the world do you get 33 men out from underneath a half mile of dirt and bring them to the surface? But amazing things happened, and it did. But so I want this picture today to represent, let me put up on the screens actually some of the timeline that happened for these miners being rescued. This happened initially August the 5th, 2010. The mine collapses, 33 miners, ages 18 to 56. Some of you in this room, most of you in this room are somewhere in that age span. 18 to 56, these men are trapped below the surface with no idea if there's even the opportunity for rescue. It would be August the 27th, a couple of weeks later, that they would get first word that there was hope, there was a plan, but they would have to be patient. It was going to take a long time. August the 31st, we see what's ultimately going to be what we call plan A, plan B, plan C. Plan A arrives at the site and begins drilling. September the 3rd, plan B, the next drill, arrives to the site and also begins to drill. I thought this date was powerful. September the 14th, it's been about a month and about 10 days from now, from the initial accident, Elizabeth Segovia, a wife of one of the trap miners, she gives birth to a daughter and names her Esperanza, Spanish for hope. That was powerful. September the 22nd, Plan C, the third drill, arrives on the scene and begins drilling. September the 25th, nearly two months out, the rescue capsule that they are planning on being that which is going to be the agent of rescue. It arrives on the scene. It's called the Phoenix, and it's painted red, white, and blue to represent the Chilean flag. October the 9th, the Plan B drill breaks through the roof of the mine. Just imagine two months under the ground, and the first time that now this avenue of rescue breaks through the surface, and you're, you're thinking maybe finally this could happen and four days later, October the 13th, the first miner was rescued. It would take nearly 24 hours to get all of the miners out. And you have to be wondering, if you're not the first in line, like, how'd they even make that decision, Right? 33 of us, and if you're not the first in line, let's say you're 17th, you're wondering, okay, this has worked for the first 16 guys, what if it breaks on my turn, right? These were all the things they must have been thinking, but all of them successfully rescued October the 14th. And so this picture today, as we talk about Jesus being the light of the world, I brought a prop. I use a lot of props. I'll try to keep this over your eyes so it's not right in your eyes. But this is what we're talking about today, Jesus coming to be the light of the world. And when you see this picture of the miners being rescued... And you see um, them coming out, what I think is powerful. Remember, they were rescued over a period of 24 hours. So some came out into the sunshine. But this was a picture of one who even came out in the middle of the night. But we thought about how powerful the generated light was that was providing hope and providing a way for them to be saved. Today, as we talk about Jesus, we're going to talk about him being the eternity-changing meaning of Christmas And now what idea that we want to start with and we'll conclude with today, it's in your notes. By the way, there's some notes inside your Trinity this week. I forgot to remind you of that. But otherwise, you can look at the screen. Since Jesus came to be the light of your world, it's time to step out of the darkness. Let me show you what I mean. Number one in your notes today, Jesus was sent as the light into the darkness of our world. Jesus was sent as the light into the darkness of our world. Here's the plot line of human history. If you've never heard it before, the Bible records how it all began. The Bible says at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, that God literally breathed, spoke the world into existence. And as he did, he created a world that was full, that was rich of life and light, and he called it very, very good. It's only a couple chapters later. That's Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 3. God created humans like us and put them in this incredible garden. And he basically said, you have the option to live in a way that's according to my design or not. The choice is yours. And we don't know about the time period, but it was probably relatively short that they decided to do their thing and not God's. And as a result, sin entered into God's created order And a darkness, a darkness that is true, not just over us, outside of us, but even in us began to take place. And that's the world you and I were born into. Now these thousands of years later, that's the world that we have walked into. And yet this, what I love about this in Genesis chapter three, in the middle of God saying, everything is now going to be different. I'm providing you hope. Because God said from the beginning, there's going to be one born of a woman who will come and and bring light, bring rescue back into this darkness. So even from the beginning, the third chapter of the Bible, God initiates, God promises that there will be rescue, there will be hope. The rest of what we call the former Testament, the first 39 books of the Bible, recounts narrative after narrative Prophecy after prophecy, promise after promise of God saying that light is on its way. Describing what that light would be like and and encouraging people to wait, to look forward, to lean forward, anticipating the light coming into their world. Even some of those promises are recorded in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah was a, a prophet. And Isaiah said these things, Isaiah chapter 9, talking about announcing Messiah's arrival. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Foretelling Jesus' arrival. Later on in Isaiah chapter 42, related to who this Messiah was and what he was going to bring, it says this. This is what, the, what God the Lord says, the creator of the heavens who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it who gives breath to its people and light to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you, called Messiah in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people. Watch this. And a light to the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. This was all foretold. Jesus was coming for this purpose. Now there were many more promises that were foretold, but it wasn't until Jesus arrived that they actually took place. Your Bibles are open to John chapter one. And this is what John, the author writes in John one verse nine, that Jesus was the light we had so longed for in our darkness. It says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And we'll read on and see that that's who he described Jesus to be. Now, we might come to the conclusion that once light has entered the darkness, everyone would flock to it. Everyone would embrace it. But as we'll find out, that wasn't true. Look at your second point today. Most people didn't receive the light, but they preferred the darkness. Most people didn't receive the light, but instead preferred the darkness. John recorded that although Jesus came into the world to offer light to people living in darkness, that many people didn't respond to it. Let's see what he says. Back to John John 1, 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Now think of it this way. Think of those 33 Chilean miners. Think of them being in the earth. I mean, literally the best word for that is the word survival, the word of just hope that maybe this is going to work out at best. And imagine that finally we mentioned the name of that rescue capsule was the Phoenix. Imagine the first time that the Phoenix made its way through the ceiling down to them and that they were anticipating going. Imagine one of the miners saying, Nah, I'm good right here. Stay in the darkness, see how this all turns out. You guys go ahead. I mean, that's laughable. No one would have done that. There would have been this great sense of enthusiasm and anticipation. Let's jump on board and see our way out of here. Let's find a way to be rescued. Now, when we think about that, when we think about Jesus offering himself as the light in the world, why haven't people flocked and embraced him as well? And I think it comes to this. I think it comes to the nature of the light that Jesus came to bring. You see, when you have light like this and and you recognize if we turned off all the lights in here right now and I would need to know to have this light to get down these steps. Otherwise you just hear in the darkness a thud, 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 thud all the way down because I would not know how to do this. So light is incredibly helpful for our path. But think about this. If you get light just shown in your eyes, not helpful, Right? Annoying is the word. Todd, stop it, is what you're thinking right now. This is not helpful, okay? The very same light, just a moment ago, I used it to light a path. Now that it's in your eyes, it's incredibly uncomfortable. Turn it off. What about this? What if you were here today and you happen to be blind and I turned this light on? You'd have no idea it was even there, it would change nothing for your situation. You see, that's what Jesus came to do. He came to bring a light that actually would turn back our blindness. You see, some of you, even in this room today, you have encountered a, um, a light just like that. You've had cataracts. And the darkness has closed in around your vision until you could barely see. But yet you found a doctor, you found a surgeon, and with lasers, they remove these cataracts and it's as though the scales fell off vision was restored, that, watch this, that's the kind of light Jesus had to first bring, was the light that corrected our blindness so we could even see. Once we had that kind of light, then the light to light our paths would make sense. But it's that first light that had to happen. That's precisely why Jesus came. He came to address our blindness, the blindness of our hearts that happen because of sin's entrance into the world, into our world's Later in John's book, he actually writes, what was God's whole motivation? Why send the light in the first place? It's a verse that you know well. If you've been to a football game and some annoying person was holding a poster up in front of you, it was probably had on the other side of it, John three sixteen. But the words are anything but annoying. Look at the heart of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, will not be, remain in the darkness, but have eternal life. The light did come, and there is a way to be saved from its darkness. It's not called the phoenix capsule. Instead, it's called Jesus, the light of the world. That brings us to our final point today, number three. There is sight, there is transformation for those who receive Jesus as the light. There is sight and there is transformation for those who respond, who receive to Jesus as the light. Look what Jesus said. It's later on in the same gospel, the same book of John, John chapter 12, verse 46. Look what he said about himself. I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in the darkness. Would you do me if ever read that together with me? Let's read it on the count of three. One, two, three. I have come into the world as a light. So that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. You know, today we talk a lot about having what we call a personal mission statement. Do I have the ability to understand what I'm on the planet for, and what I'm here to do? This was Jesus' statement. I've come to bring light that anyone who believes in me no longer will remain in the darkness. And the reality is this, that's even what we said in our now what statement You have to step out of the darkness into the light. That is the action step. That is the response. It's necessary. Jesus has done everything to provide the light, but that is your appropriate response. Step out of the darkness. Now, I want you to see as we finish today, we're in John 1 initially. Look at the very last verse of that sequence, John 1, 9 through 12. This is what Jesus promised to those who would receive their sight from him. He says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, believed Jesus was the light, he gave the right to become the children of God. Now, I wanna throw this out to you. I don't know if you've ever thought of this before. You, you, many of you in our room today, you've had lots of what I'd call just deistic thoughts. There's a big guy in the sky. There's some power out there, but very impersonal, unable to be known. This is what the Bible teaches, that when you respond to the light that Jesus brought you, that you actually not only will step into the light, but you'll actually be received as a child to the creator of the universe, God Almighty can be known, can be known even to the degree of calling him Father. And that blows my mind. That is this great gift of what we get to enjoy at Christmas is not only that God sent his son, but we can be through his son, his sons and daughters. Our series this month has been all about the glimpses that we see in our world that point us to the true aspect of what was going on when Jesus arrived in our world. Today, you have the opportunity to respond to far more than what you've known Christmas to be by responding to this amazing gift of light that's come to rescue you in your darkness. Don't fail. Don't fail today to respond to the greatest gift this Christmas, Jesus, the light of the world. That now what statement, we see it as we close today. Since Jesus came to be the light of your world, step out, step out of the darkness. Let me pray. Father God, we come before you today and so rich with celebration, rightly so. And God, there are a lot of things, a lot of merriment related to Christmas that we enjoy and we love, and that's great. But God, when we understand that the foundation of it all, this, this is why you came into our world. You are the long-awaited Savior. You are the ransom for hostages. You are the light of the world. Come to penetrate our darkness. Father, I pray today that you would help us to see that, to respond to it appropriately, to give you great thanks. Because you are so worth it. You are so worthy of our gratitude and our praise. We love you and we pray in Jesus' great name. Amen. And that song just so incredibly well expresses what our hope for you is this Christmas that you'd respond. If you're in need of hope, if you're in need of help, you've come to the right place today. And more important, it's not about us, it's not about this campus. It is indeed all about this Jesus we celebrate at Christmas. Every weekend here at Trinity Church, we talk about the ABCs somewhere in our service. A A is admitting, admitting that you've lived life on your terms, not on God's. That takes us all the way back to the garden, what we talked about today, the the first of, of us, of our human race, who chose to do their thing, not God's, and the Bible calls that sin, Admitting that that's a reality in your life. B is believe. Believe this Jesus we've talked about today, the light of the world that he did come 2,000 years ago, just like we're celebrating. But believe he lived also a sinless life. Believe that he died a sacrificial death. Believe that he was raised from the dead on the third day, supernaturally, conquering sin and death forever. Believe that Jesus is the only savior available. And C is choose. Choose to say, Jesus, I respond. I, ha- I know what darkness is. I'm going to step out of it. and I'm going to follow you with my life. That is the response that where it all begins. And our encouragement to you today, don't fail. Don't leave this place before you f- respond to him.